Welcome to Infrastructure in Action, a We Build podcast series about Australia, where we discover the fascinating world of infrastructure, explore the issues and opportunities facing the infrastructure sector, highlight the role infrastructure plays in helping Australia manage population growth and economic development, and discuss the most advanced systems and technologies to minimise risk and maximise the value of Australian investments in these projects. I am Guido Cacciaguerra, and I'm here with Professor Sandra Kentish for our podcast, Infrastructure in Action. Thank you, Guido. Uh, My name is Sandra Kentish. I'm a Distinguished Professor at the Faculty of Engineering and Information Technology uh, at the University of Melbourne. Um, I am a chemical engineer, but uh, spent nine years working in industry at a number of Australian companies uh, before I became an academic. So you could, you bring together the practical and the academic side. Uh, I, I like to think that, yes, it certainly, I think, helps to have had worked in industry before I uh, entered the academic world. So we are going to uh, be talking about uh, uh, female participation in STEM. So I guess that is... Uh, uh, a subject that is very close to your art, and it's also close to my art, uh, and, uh, and and it's good that you bring together, you know, the experience in the industry and then the experience in in uh, in the university world. So uh, I guess that uh, uh, this will help us to go through these these uh, uh, questions and some challenges that uh, uh, currently uh, all. Uh, female uh, students are, are, are facing. Mm-hmm. So uh, I have like my first question. Why do you think female participation in STEM and associated professions, uh, like in your experience, is traditionally low compared to males? Well, obviously, a lot of it is related to stereotypes. And so it is more difficult for a girl to say, I'm going to go and study engineering. Um, I think related to that is if you're talking about engineering specifically, uh, many of our many women just don't understand what that profession is. They have a perception it's dirty, it's driving trains. Uh, at least I know in Europe it's given a different title to the train drivers. Here everybody is an engineer and there's not an understanding. I certainly find the majority of the students I teach have a family member who's an engineer or works in construction or so they understand it because they know about it but if I'm talking to another girl that I meet at the high, at high school they really don't understand what it what working in some of these industries means um, and it's not helped by the fact that their teachers also don't understand so a teacher knows what a doctor or a lawyer does they don't as much know what uh, somebody working in construction is doing and what the, the, the sophistication of that job, that it's not just, you know, uh, two bits banging two bits of wood together, <laughs> you know. That, uh, and so there's not an understanding of the excitement of what that profession can be and what you can achieve. Uh, so that's part of it. The other issue we're facing is the declining number of uh, girls taking uh, the harder STEM subjects at school. So there's plenty of uh, girls studying biology, uh, psychology, but there's fewer girls in Australia studying chemistry, physics, maths, and that therefore reduces the pipeline of students available to go into the professions. And do you think this is uh, 
happening all only in Australia or is something that is like on a global scale? Maybe you speak with your colleagues around the world. Do you think is it's a specific issue in Australia? It's particularly bad in Australia, I think, but I, I think it is a general trend globally. I'd ask you whether you think it's a worldwide trend. <laughs> well, I would say that uh, as uh, I was mentioning before, the the level of uh, um, participation from females in our uh, teams, yes, yeah, yeah. in our teams is is very high. Mm-hmm. And I guess you know, I, I'm, I I go back to what you just said, you know, and there were some like. Um, uh, discussions at industry level, uh, we, we, we agreed that maybe we should uh, uh, make the construction engineering world more attractive. Mm. Yeah, no, very much so. I think that's, that's what is needed is to somehow um, make, make, make all young people, but particularly the, the girls, understand what's involved in, in some of these industries. And, and, and again, just the, the interest and the career potential, I spend a lot of time trying to explain to uh, young people that, you know, it's not just that you will be supervising a group of, uh, you know, uh, blue-collar workers on site, that, you know, if you look at the, the CEOs globally, most... The, the, the most relevant profession is engineering, that, uh, that so people with these skills can go so many places in the world and into such a diverse range of careers that uh, it's, it's, it's the world is your oyster. You know, you do have huge opportunities and, you know, you're a reflection of the fact too that it's an international career and you can move globally uh, and you can work in all sorts of countries of the world uh, and and move from a job in one country to the next really easily. So it's yeah. one language. Yeah. So, <clears throat> are there any, uh, in your experience, uh, successful initiatives that have been uh, able to increase the the participation of female students? It requires a lot of engagement uh, with students in high schools. There's a very successful program at the moment being run by our Academy of Technological Sciences and Engineering that is pitched uh, within the high school. So you need to target Year 10 uh, because, again, what you really need is people who keep their maths and these these harder sciences up. And that means making sure that at Year 10 you can access those students um, and excite them about the possibilities. Um, I think there's also a need to ensure that the teachers have the capacity and one of the things we're suffering from here in Australia a bit is that uh, most of our teachers coming out of Teachers College um, are not trained in maths and science. So somehow we need to to provide that education and boost their own skill set. So I think you do need to target that Year 10 uh, middle high school type agenda and there are programs that have run at times that do that but you have to keep working at it pretty hard. As you know we are uh, supporting through our scholarship program you know the participation of women uh, in, in, in the engineering uh, uh, fields. Uh, we've, we've been doing this in, in, in uh, many parts of the world in Sydney and now since last year in, in, um, in Melbourne. Do you think this is important that the business side, the industry is supporting these uh, uh, kind of initiatives and 
is, is going to help the increase of uh, participation in, in the... Uh, I really think it's absolutely critical. Uh, partly this concept that the students really don't understand what they're getting into and you really need the companies to explain exactly what they're doing and excite them. I also think it's really critical that our students, once they are at the university level, get exposure to uh, the real world. Again, um, have, as you said, I've worked in academia and I've worked in industry and I know the gulf between the two. And it's something that we do badly in Australia compared to, say, Italy. We don't work as closely. The academic world is not as close to industry as in many other countries, and we really need to bridge that gap. And also creating maybe a, a better workplace or conditions that they can help you know, women to enjoy their professional and personal life. Yeah, and, and work-life balance plays a big part yeah. in that uh, and ensuring that, that that's... Um, that there is the opportunity for women to fully engage in the profession uh, is critical and that requires input from both governments and industry, yes. And the industry bodies, the groups like Engineers Australia. So you're, you're coming from a, a, a long experience, as we said before, from, uh, you know, starting working in the industry and then uh, joining the academic world. Uh, what what are the differences you've you've been noticing in the neck in the last 10, 20 years? In um, it's interesting. The big companies, and I'm sure WeBuild would be part of these, have really understood the need to transition. And so again, if I compare to when I was one of the reasons I ended up in academia, for instance, is because I really didn't think the workplace would accommodate me having children. So I consciously moved back to the academic world when I was having children. And the big companies have just completely changed that. There is huge appetite and understanding that they need to retain women in the workforce. Uh, would you agree with me that uh, we, uh, we should have more women at executive level? Yeah, very much so. Um, it's, I think, well documented now that if, for instance, you are looking at board composition, uh, if you have just one woman on the board, you will not change the culture because uh, there is just not that shift in the balance of power so that, you know, throughout the upper levels of any company or through all the levels of any company, you need to have a significant cohort of women and then you will get a change in culture. And again, it's very well documented that those companies that have that balance perform better. Uh, they're known to uh, to do much better, you know, in all senses of the world, word, when you have that balance. And I think you also, you just change culturally the, the behaviours that go on within the company. You, know, you, you do have a much more balanced uh, approach, but a, a better workplace culture for, for everyone involved um, if you have a diverse workforce. Yeah, and, and I also believe that when you, of course, uh, if you think about like the, uh, the technical side, okay, if it's a, a, a male-driven uh, process, is, is very specific. So I think that women can bring a different approach, a different uh, uh, way of thinking that could improve also the engineering and the construction business, which is still a very male-dominated sector. I think having diversity of thought is what's important, and that 
requires you to have both uh, both genders involved, but it also, in many respects, also requires you to have a, a variety of, of you know, uh, people from different cultural backgrounds. And then you will get that diversity of thought and you'll get the creativity uh, that, you, that you need. So we should try to have, like, more uh, students joining the STEM, more engineers, more engineers joining companies and uh, um, reaching executive levels and maybe we will have uh, uh, a more balanced and, and better industry. Yeah, and I think I want to particularly call out an issue for me is making sure that the ones we put through university get the jobs in the industry. At the moment, we have a bit of a gulf there that some of them can't get a graduate placement and therefore they don't continue and I really think we need to work hard at yes, keeping the women in particular but all of our young people, if they start studying STEM, that they make it through to the CEO level, that, that there is continuous nurturing of that talent. Um, for the women it's particularly we see the drop-off uh, through the child rearing years and so making sure that we don't lose them at that point but providing that uh, nurturing throughout the whole career. So create and show a path. Yeah, 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 yeah very much. And again, some of that is also role models. So providing, uh, you know, uh, indications of successful women and successful successful engineers. You know, again, when I, <laughs> I often, again, give this presentation where I try and just point out that, you know, engineers actually get paid a lot more than, do than, than GPs, for instance, and the people in the audience are just gobsmacked, you know. <laughs> uh, so getting people who understand how, how exciting that career can be uh, and, and see that whole pathway through, yeah. So what concrete actions you think that in industry can uh, take to support and improve the participation of female students and engineers? Well, I think what WeBuild's already doing is a fantastic initiative and really starts to uh, to address some of these issues, and that's by offering scholarships uh, to students studying engineering and related programs, STEM programs. Uh, so we can talk specifically about Michaela and Two, which are the, the two students that WeBuild are supporting. Uh, and this really helps to ensure that particularly people who are passionate about engineering but might not be all that well off um, financially ensures that they have the capacity to study um, and particularly not have to go and work a part-time job at a supermarket 40 hours a week alongside their studies. So it ensures that we get some of our brightest and best through to the profession. And they can then also act as role models to encourage uh, more students along those lines. So I think those sorts of initiatives, uh, again, have the direct benefit of providing uh, something for those two students, but there are much broader benefits, partly, as I say, in providing those role models, but also in bringing the companies closer uh, to the university and providing that more real-world environment uh, more broadly uh, to, to a bigger population. So... Sandra, um, we've been discussing about, like, in general, about what industry can do, what the government can do. But, like, do you have any uh, uh, examples, some stories of, like, success stories of women uh, 
uh, from STEM uh, going all the way up to the uh, echelon of corporate? Oh, there's many, many examples of women who've done extremely well uh, in engineering um, in, and, and got to those top echelons of a number of companies and particularly in very diverse fields. So one example that springs to mind is I know one of my ex-students who is now a senior engineer at Tesla in California. So she's gone from being, you know, a student at Melbourne University and now is, uh, yeah, sourcing lithium for Tesla uh, based in California. And she recently, through our own networks, has now recruited one of our uh, more great, uh, younger engineers also from Melbourne into California. So um, they can, there's some really exciting careers. Another one that springs to mind is a, a student in, that we had in biomedical engineering uh, who started her own company with two of her other students. So went into that sort of startup environment um, and has now generated many million dollars worth of capital uh, for her own uh, device that they are busy trying to commercialise. So uh, some very diverse examples uh, of women uh, doing very well in both traditional engineering fields, but also then taking those opportunities out into other areas. So there's always, you know, uh, the, the examples that you gave of like uh, uh, working in different fields, but also in different countries, in different environments. You said mining and you said California, which is, it's an exciting journey. Yeah, oh yeah, and that's, an that's, that's part of the excitement is being able to travel uh, with the, yeah, particularly with the larger companies who most companies also will ensure now that their graduates get that sort of experience where you do move around. And I think you mentioned as well that that's one of the things that we build does is to rotate their younger people yes. through a variety of roles and that allows you to really get a feeling for what's, what's, what's going to press your buttons, what's going to really excite me about what I want to do. Um, and again, that to me is what stands out from some of these other professions is you do get that real breadth of opportunity. So, yeah. Sandra, or Professor Kentish, uh, it's, uh, it's been a pleasure. Um, it's, uh, we build this coming back to Melbourne and uh, uh, we're coming back for good to stay. And I hope that this first meeting that we had is going to be uh, the first one of a, a very long series and uh, to establish a collaboration with you, with the university, so we can, you know, uh, create something new, something good, something uh, different and, and some opportunities for women engineering in Melbourne, in Victoria and Australia. And thank you, Guido. It's been a delight to meet you. And I also look forward to, to really uh, establishing a long-term relationship with your company uh, and, and working together to really improve uh, the, the, the environment for both female and male engineers. Thank you. Thank you. That's all we have time for this second episode of Infrastructure in Action, a We Build podcast series for Australia. To Guido Cachaguera from We Build Group and Professor Sandra Kentich from the University of Melbourne, thank you for sharing your insights and for nurturing the discussion around women in STEM and in the construction sector and fostering collaboration between the industry and the academic world in Australia. Thanks also to our listeners for taking the time to listen to episode two of our podcast series. 
Stay tuned for the next episode's rollout in which we will deep dive into personal examples of career trajectories of young women in the industry.